Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Yes, indeed. Welcome to The Inner Life, working together with our spiritual directors from around the country. This show invites you to cultivate your relationship with the Lord. Our priests are ready to hear your stories and address your questions. My name is Patrick Conley, in for Josh Raymond today and, God willing, tomorrow. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be with you this hour. Today we're talking about the most important thing we do as Catholics. Now, we do a lot of important things, to be sure. And many of them, many of which do bear fruit for all of eternity. But but the most important thing that we do, of course, I'm talking about the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Leading our discussion today on the Mass will be Father Dave Heaney. Father Heaney is now the pastor of St. Bruno Catholic Church in Whittier, California. He was ordained for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles in 1978. And he's also the author of his most recent book, is Luke 10 Leadership, How to Succeed at Parish Ministry, in which he shares his four-step Bible-based plan for effective parish ministry. Father Heaney, thank you for being our spiritual director today. Welcome. Thank you. Wonderful to be with you, Patrick. Welcome. Great to see you. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be here as well. Well, Father, uh, we're talking about the Mass today, and I always, when we're talking about the Mass, or last time I was guest hosting, we were talking about the Eucharist, I always like to get a priest's perspective on the Mass, because mm-hmm. I know what it means to me, and I've shared a, a number of times with some of my lay friends about what it means to them, but I uh, always like to hear for priests, what has the Mass come to mean for you, and uh, what is it like confecting the Eucharist, celebrating the sacrifice of the Mass? Thank you, Patrick. Uh, It's a wonderful question. You know, I've been saying Mass for 43 years now, and Mm. so my connection with the Mass has been a rhythm. It's gone through uh, a number of stages, but I think one thing that has stayed true to me from the very beginning, from my first Mass until uh, even this morning, is this profound experience that I am saying the same words that Jesus himself spoke at the Last Supper, uh, as Paul and the the Gospels Mm. relay. Just the fact that I am saying these same words and that this is, a, this is an uninterrupted event for 2,000 years is just remarkable. I think the second thing, too, is that uh, I'm not doing something just in memory of something or just to recall, but something is actually happening at the Mass. That I am, you know, I, in the person of Jesus, I am collecting all of the offertory gifts, all of the prayers of our people, and placing them on the altar And they are being joined with the person of Jesus as he actively presents himself and offers himself to our Father at that moment. So the Mass is very dynamic. It's something that's actually happening. It's not just a recollection of events. It's not like looking at a picture or a photograph. It's something that our Lord means to happen right now, right presently with everyone there. And the fact that I'm involved in that um, is just uh, very humbling and, and very powerful 
and has remained with me really for 43 years. It still is really a magical mm-hmm. moment, a really remarkable moment to, to celebrate Mass. That's wonderful to hear, Father. And I have to say, I am a, a convert to the Catholic faith from mm-hmm. an evangelical Protestant background. And I am, uh, there was the Catholic Mass, uh, yes, I had to grow in my understanding of it and certainly my love of it. But what I'm finding in interacting with a lot of so called cradle Catholics, Catholics who grew up in the Catholic faith, is that uh, sometimes it can get to be where it's it's just a normal everyday part of life uh and then there's this moment there's this moment when it becomes real to mm-hmm. them uh it it really strikes them and it sounds like that's been the case with you for for decades now uh, but can you talk a little bit about what is that moment and why is it so important you know, it can happen to different people at different times. A lot of it depends on their own journey, their own trajectory of their life, what's going on with them. Sometimes, uh, you know, someone dies in the family and they have a, a brand new outlook on what it means to be alive and wh- where, what direction our life is going. And so the, the very next time they go to Mass, they, they, the Mass is the same, but they, their heart has been broken open to receive, mm-hmm. you know, God's grace in a more powerful way. Um, so I think it, it can happen, uh, you know, it's hard to predict when it will happen. One thing I can say that's been my experience over the years, and that is, uh, I know there's a kind of a controversy, uh, Bishop Barron sometimes talks about this a lot, about, you know, whether Catholics understand the Eucharist well or not, and mm. they think it's a symbol or just something that's uh, uh, not really objectively real. And I'm sure that most parishioners really can't, maybe articulate it very well or explain it very powerfully. But uh, one thing I have found over 43 years is when I come to that part of the Mass of the Consecration, it gets very quiet. You know, there's kind of a general buzz of noise, you know, as Mass begins. People are turning pages or rustling. I'm thinking back to the time when we were all in the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when when I... you know, say those words of the consecration, it gets very quiet. And I think everybody understands that this is the central part, this is the most important part. Now, I think sometimes that hits people more than others. Um, you know, I remember one time I was saying Mass, uh, I was in my first assignment, and it suddenly struck me how what the entry words are to the words of the consecration, what we say right before, and that is, on the night that he was betrayed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What a right. remarkable phrase. Who, like, who likes to be betrayed? What a horrible experience that is to, to have your closest associates turn on you. And yet, at that moment, in his deepest betra- as he's experiencing this deepest betrayal, he says the most perfect words of love. This is my body and this is my blood given for your lasting happiness. So I think that was a, that was a turning point for me when it really broke open just how powerful... It wasn't just so much that Jesus is saying these beautiful words of consecration, but in the context, you know, at the, you know, when he is saying these words for the first time, really, really was powerful. Um, and I think a great testament and a great example and, and a very powerful witness to everyone who comes to Mass, if they remember, if they focus in on those words. Mm. Yeah, so many things to consider within the context of the Mass. And I think one of the gifts that the Mass is more or less the same, at least structurally, from day Mm -hmm. to day to day, is really that 
it can it affords the opportunity for it to strike us in a new way, depending, as you just said, Father, on where we are in our own walk with Jesus and our own openness to the Lord speaking into our life. Let me ask you, how have you come to know and love the Mass and the Eucharist? When did the Mass and the Eucharist become real for you? Well, if you have a great answer for that, if you'd like to tell your story, call in, join the conversation. Here at The Inner Life, our phone number is 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. You can also send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, Father, uh, the context of the Mass, the liturgy, uh, can we talk a little bit about liturgy? What does liturgy actually mean, and what does it do for us? Well, you know, good news and bad news. It's a beautiful word. It has a beautiful meaning, uh, but very often the Church uses these Greek words uh, as part of its long, long history um, in the world. And so it takes an an extra time to define it. But liturgy means uh, a public work, a public action of a group of people. Uh, It's a collective term that means a number of people getting together and doing something at once of a religious nature. It's a public work um, of the people of God. And so they do some kind of work of God. So all of our sacraments are liturgies, but the the source and summit liturgy, of course, is, uh, is the Mass which is by definition a public event. Uh, And really the Catholic Church is really a a beautiful institution that still retains this idea that you have to physically show up at church Mm. for this liturgy to happen. Mm. And of course, you know, for the last year and a half or so, we've all been, uh, you know, maybe watching uh, Mass on video or live streamed or, you know, maybe a few churches are opening up now. But, uh, you know... Watching Mass on, on video is, is a beautiful spiritual event, but it's actually not attending Mass because Mass is something that happens physically when we are present together. And this age of you know, people looking at their cell phones and being on social media and kind of connecting with the world uh, virtually, uh, you know, the church remains a place where you get in your car and you go down to church and you physically walk in to stand shoulder to shoulder with your fellow Christians and partake in this um, liturgy that Jesus himself designed. You know, this is all his idea. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of wisdom there. And maybe if it's not understandable right now, be patient with it. Um, but just recognize that this is something that our Lord himself designed. It's worth taking seriously. It's worth investigating. It's worth having an open mind to. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly the liturgy certainly means that we are... And, you know, thanks be to God, I think it's going to happen soon. We're all going to be back in church and and conducting Mass the way it was originally designed, all together joining ourselves with Jesus. Right, right. Yeah, a wonderful reminder, especially as in my area of the country anyway, uh, we are seeing the dispensations are being lifted, and so the obligations to, re- to return to mm-hmm. Sunday Mass and Masses on Holy Days of Obligation are coming back into force, and uh, and that is a great uh, that's a great idea, a great uh, picture of why being there in person is so important. And that you said it was his design, Father, and we can see that even back into the Old Testament, can't we? Uh, well, certainly, uh, you know, the, I think the the two main events that happened in the Old Testament that were that were liturgies were, you know, as a nation, people recognized the temple in Jerusalem as the place of central, the main place of the central sacrifice. 
And then, of course, people would celebrate Passover in their communities, in their homes, um, and share in that same idea of, of uh, sacrifice. And so Jesus takes these this Passover Seder supper, this Passover meal, in which people would normally sacrifice a lamb, and he says, and he makes these really important changes. Uh, and, and he says, you know, I am the Lamb of God. I am the sacrifice. Uh, and in a very powerful way that resonated very, very deeply with his Jewish apostles, uh, but was also able to be recognized by the Gentile, by the non-Jewish community as well. And so that's why the Mass was really so successful. You know, it's interesting, this last year, uh, parishes have been shut down. We haven't had all of our classes and retreats and prayer services and <clears throat> maybe even parish carnivals, all the different things that parishes did. But for the last year, all we had was the Mass, you know, watching on video perhaps. But all we had was the Mass, and that's all the early church had. The early church didn't have, you know, Bible studies and prayer groups and retreats and or carnivals. All they had was the Mass as well. And yet that Mass celebrated by that early church, converted the Roman Empire. That's how powerful it is. And so this, this ceremony that was designed by our Lord to, uh, to make his offering of God, to God the Father present each time it happens and inviting all of us to join in with him is such a powerful engine of grace, a powerful engine of, of really just spiritual goodness, everything you need for the rest of the day. Uh, can begin with Mass. That's why we have this beautiful tradition of starting the day with Mass. We have Mass generally in the morning. Uh, what a great way to begin your day by, by, by joining in with this person of Jesus as he offers himself to our Father, uh, which you know, has its roots in the Old Testament uh, and continues in the Catholic Church around the world. Yeah, and what a great way indeed to start the day. I started my day with Mass today, and right. uh, I am I am very grateful for it. Well, Father, let's go to uh, phones, and okay. we have Frank calling in from Montana. Frank, welcome to the Inner Life. Hey, how's it going? All right, how are you, sir? All right, we'll try to make this real quick. First of all, uh, I sure enjoyed Father when he was hosting the uh, Mass or Rosary Cross America, appreciated that. Uh, cradle Catholic, 60-plus years old, active churchgoer, never. I'm not. I'm going to say that I really wasn't one of those that believed in the true present, but I never really thought about it much. Uh, decided that I'd start pursuing understanding of the Mass as much as I possibly could, especially the Liturgy of the Eucharist, what that true presence really means. Uh, basically was blinded, but my eyes were opened up to another sacrament, the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Started taking that really serious, and that's what enabled me to understand the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. So it was through. I had not been... I had been going to Mass, but I had not been using the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Once I started doing that, my eyes started to open up. Well said, Frank. God bless. Thank you for your comments about the Rosary Across America. I certainly enjoyed that for several years. <clears throat> and I'm glad that Father Rocky is doing it now from the studio uh, in, in Relevant Radio. It's a beautiful experience. 
But you know, you said something, Frank, that I thought was powerful, and that is, you know, the mass wasn't connecting with you, and then you decided to investigate or to kind of look into it more. When you said that, it reminded me, actually, Patrick, of how you started the program this morning, this today, by saying uh, that we cultivate our relationship with the Lord. Mm. That's such a great word to cultivate. It means to take time to prepare, to investigate, to uh, you know, to do all those activities that deepen and nourish your relationship. It's not something that happens automatically, but it has to be cultivated. So, Frank, you did that, and it was successful. And I'm glad that the avenue was through the Sacrament of Reconciliation. You know, it's no accident that the Mass itself starts with the penitential rite. Before we continue with the readings and the homily and, and the offertory and the rest of the Mass, everyone in the Church starts on the same page with an act of humility. Before we continue with this Mass, let's all stand at our full height and present ourselves to our Lord as we actually are, good things and bad things. And, you know, kind of once we clear the air and we, we kind of begin with that sense of honesty and humility, then the rest, then, then our heart is open to really receive what happens in the readings, the homily, and, of course, the rest of the Mass. So I think you chose a great path, Frank. Uh, the Sacrament of Reconciliation, reconciliation is the perfect preparation and avenue uh, to be to be ready so that when you walk into that church, you are ready to join our Lord in that sacrament of the Mass. Well said, Frank. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, thank you for your call, Frank. Very, very good, uh, very good story, very good way in which to have the Mass come to mean something more. And, uh, and it's a good reminder, too, Father, if I may say so, that all the sacraments are ordered to the Eucharist. And so, we can kind of see that uh, at work yeah. as we participate in the other sacraments as well. Well, let me ask you as the listeners again, have you come to know and love the Mass and the Eucharist in a specific way? Was there a specific time or a specific venue, like Frank just told us about, that brought you into that understanding? Give us a call. Join the conversation, 888 Again, 888 Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're going to take a short break. We've got Father Dave Heaney with us to speaking about today. Today about the Mass here on The Inner Life. We look forward to being back with you in just a moment where we will continue our conversation. Stay with us. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. If you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. Call now, 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. The Inner Life with Josh Raymond on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. My name is Patrick Conley, in for Josh Raymond today, as we are speaking about the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Our spiritual director today is Father Dave Heaney, who was ordained for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles back in 1978 and is now the pastor of St. Bruno Catholic Church in Whittier, California. And uh, Father, as we're, as we're talking about uh, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and all the depth and the richness and the profundity that is there and how... It has struck you and stayed with you for decades. Uh, it certainly has done something similar for years of my life, of my Catholic life. 
And yet, um, there are still times when people can say, and perhaps this is more often than not for many people, but uh, when they can say, Mass is boring. Church is boring. What do you have to say to something like that, Father, when somebody claims, well, Mass is actually just kind of boring? Well, I said that myself when I was a kid. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. (laughs) You know, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, there was a very offhand comment that, that my parents made to me. I can't remember now if it was my mother or my father. It really made all the difference. But before I tell you what they said, I can understand how sometimes people can say that the Mass is boring. And unfortunately, sometimes it's the way uh, the church is set up. After all, mm-hmm. it does a little bit look like a theater. You know, you have seats arranged like they are in a playhouse or a movie theater all facing the same direction. There's a raised platform at the other end. All the special lighting is there. Somebody walks out with special costumes, special clothing, um, and seem, and that's the person that's kind of doing all the action. So it can seem like you're watching a play, uh, a theatrical production. And, you, you know, I've seen people walk into the church, sit down, fold their arms, and wait for the play to begin mm-hmm. and hope that the actor is engaging, hope that music is good, you know, and, and everything uh, gets their attention. In other words, they, they wait for their attention to be grabbed. And if the music is not good like it was in the church where I was growing up, or at least I didn't understand a lot of the Latin music, if the homily wasn't good, which certainly was the case when I was growing up, mm-hmm. uh, then, then it's, it doesn't grab your attention and very quickly you get bored. So there was the magic time, that moment when I was a kid, and I said to my folks, I don't want to go to church on Sunday because uh, I think there was a Laker game on TV that I wanted to watch instead. Ah, okay, that's honest. (laughs) Yeah, I was a big basketball fan, and it was the playoffs, and it was a game, and I I said I'd rather watch that. Now, I grew up in the country. I grew up in kind of a ranch area, a lot of hills, you know, horseback riding and all that kind of thing, and... And I would, after school, my classmates and I, we'd run around the hills into the canyons and, you know, do all these kind of fun, kind of fun things. And um, my parents looked at me when I said, I don't want to go to church. And they said this really powerful line. They said, you know, Dave, you have had all week to yourself. This is one hour that you give back to God. At the time, I thought that was a really dumb response, but it began to have an effect on me, and I couldn't argue with the math. I mean, I I did have all week to myself, and this was one hour that I give back to God. Now, that phrase is what resonated with me. Mass was something that I did. I give an hour to God. Mm -hmm. So when I went into church, I would say, well, the music people may be doing a good job or not. I still have my job to do. The -hmm. priest may be doing a good job or not in the homily. I still have my job to do. Mm-hmm. And I began to see the, that I, my experience of the Mass did not depend on how effective all the other ministers were. It was a sense of responsibility for me uh, to give my hour to God, and that's what primed me to understand how the Mass is something that the people join with the priest and, and join with that offering of Jesus to his Father in heaven. That I place my, that when I arrive at Mass, I place my intentions on the altar. I've thought about my intentions. Uh, so I'm actively involved in, in you know, asking the Lord to take my intentions to our Father and to affect them. So once the Mass became something that I recognized that I had my part to play, 
it it uh, it was no longer dependent on kind of being humanly attractive mm-hmm. uh, as as the way some services you know kind of overemphasize. There's not much about the mass that is humanly attractive in terms of you know spectacular uh, fireworks and things, but when you recognize it as this powerful relationship that you have with our Lord, in which He invites you to come to mass and place yourself on the altar with Him, as He offers Himself to our Father, it becomes very dynamic uh, and and changes everything. So that's how it changed for me, and I think that phrase uh, that you can tell people who they think the mass is boring and say, well. Bring yourself to the Mass. Your life isn't boring. Put your life on that altar. Actively, you know, mentally do that, and you'll find that the experience is much, much, much different. Yeah, well, good advice, Father. Thank you so much for that. And perhaps some of our listeners, do you had a, did you have a time in your life when you felt the Mass was boring? And has that changed for you? If so, how? And tell us your story. Give us a call, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. So many ways to go after that great story, Father, of, uh, of really participation in Mass. But maybe if I could, I would ask you to break that open even further, because I think nowadays there is still a perception that we do go to church uh, to basically to get um, you know, you, you basically go there to receive, whether that's receive, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a pass for the rest of the week, so to speak. Maybe in better days, uh, you go to receive the body and blood of our Lord. Um, but there is an active participation. There's an act of giving as part of the Mass as well. And not just into the offering basket when it comes by, but giving mm-hmm. of our intentions, as you mentioned, and also our very selves in in the Mass. Can you speak about that just a little bit more, please? Well, just remember this, this phrase, this is my body. Uh, this is Jesus saying, this is my body. This is, uh, you know, Jesus looking at the church saying, this is my body. And then there's, there's yourself saying, this is my body. Uh, and, and all of that refers to, you know, what does it mean to love? To love is to take yourself and to offer everything that you are for the good of another. Mm-hmm. So you take your body and your blood, your entire being, and you offer that for the good of another. It's interesting how the words of consecration are almost identical to the marriage vows, mm-hmm. you know, which husband and wife basically pledge their body and blood for the good of the other, for the authentic good of the other. So... Those words of the consecration, it's no accident that's the centerpiece of the Mass, because the Mass, in a sense, is the school of love. It's the, it's the weekly event where we understand how God loves us and how we love God. And it is complete and total, this total offering of body and, and blood. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, uh, I think, you know, focusing on that, will make all the other parts of the Mass come alive uh, because it's no, you're, you're kind of leading up to this moment of total giving love, and then, and then it flows from that. And then, of course, the beautiful experience of receiving this body and blood of Christ into yourself uh, right. is uh, the event. And I, I'll tell you, maybe we can talk about this later, but my favorite part of the Mass is the communion meditation. That, to me, is, mm. is my favorite part favorite part of the Mass that I spend a lot of time teaching and and educating our parishioners on to take that time very, very seriously. Hmm. Hmm. 
Well, it's uh, it's obviously very, very centrally important too that it's uh, that we not receive the body and blood and soul and divinity of our Lord. Well, as Saint Paul says that we. Uh, not receive yeah. it without discerning the body and with, uh, not receive it in vain, but to uh, take some time to mull it over a little bit. One of the uh, one of the things that I have in mind, Father, as you were speaking earlier in that, was that um, specifically for those with children, sometimes children, yeah, sometimes we need to, um, there may be some tips you'd like to share with uh, with our listeners about how to perhaps more readily encourage the participation of our children in Mass. But, you know, sometimes I find that children's presence in Mass is actually an education to me on how to take the Mass uh, more for what it is. Um, Because, well, just like our Lord said, become like uh, one of these little children or we'll never enter the kingdom. Well, I think, first of all, it's to be realistic, right? Your children are not theologians. They're not going to be able to maybe get all of it. Uh, Remember, since the Mass is about love, to the extent that children can understand what that means, what love is, is to the extent that they'll understand uh, what's going on at Mass. We all have to kind of grow into that. But I think the number one thing that helps for children is to begin early, to start early, uh, to, to almost have Mass start before you leave the house. Uh, hmm. You can't expect kids to, you know, run around, get ready, jump in the car, drive down to the church, walk into the church, and then suddenly be, you know, kind of attuned to what's going on. So the, I think if you maybe begin even the day before, hey, tomorrow we're going to the 10 o'clock Mass. Uh, it's going to be this particular feast day, Corpus Christi, Holy Trinity, Pentecost, whatever, like we've had the last few weeks. Maybe say a little bit about that, just a couple of sentences. Nothing, nothing big. Then that morning, uh, here we are, we're getting ready for Mass. Uh, think about what intentions you want. Think about what you want to pray for. Get the kids involved in thinking about, you know, what's going on in their life. You know, uh, kids praying for a Little League game or a Girl Scout meeting or whatever they're involved in. Uh, say, okay, well, what would you like to have our Lord, how would you like to have our Lord handle that? Uh, what, what do you want? about that event in your life. Bring that to the Mass this morning. So all of that kind of conversation about the Mass prior to going is extremely powerful because now the kids are imagining it. They're thinking about walking into their parish church. Uh, They probably go to the same pew all the time. All of those ways, all of those things are kind of very practical steps to attune the, the kids to what's about to happen. And then I think there's just good old-fashioned training. You teach them how to genuflect, uh, how to, you know, stand and sit and kneel in the pews, perhaps how to use the booklet. You know, they'd like to have something in their hand. Uh, so make sure they have a prayer book with them so they can tr- follow along. Sometimes they can't see very well because everyone else around them is six feet tall. So, you know, mm-hmm. having something in their hands is good. Um, but I think that one of the most powerful ways, and of course this, this is a good thing for adults too, is to make the preparation for Mass happen long before Mass begins. So that when Mass does begin, you're already attuned, you're already ready, and, uh, and you're ready to, uh, to join our Lord. So prior preparation is always, always the best. Wonderful. Parents, are you, 
have you found success in getting your kids to engage with mass? If you have, share it with the rest of us. Give us a call, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, relevantradio.com. Let's go to the phones. We've got Brian calling in from Bakersfield, California. Brian, welcome to The Inner Life. Thank you very much. I appreciate your uh, accepting my call. And, uh, you know, in this discussion of the Holy Mass, or we could perhaps call it the Divine Liturgy, I frankly I am partial to that designation because, uh, as you know, the Mass, the Holy Sacrifice of the Eucharist, is really ultimately a work of God himself. It's not a work of any human person. Um, it's a work of the Divine Trinity, the Holy Trinity. And the work that God does is through the instrumentality of the human priest, the ministerial priest. But it's really God himself, and because he alone is capable of accomplishing the miracles, and I say miracles plural, because there are at least two, and I would argue there are uh, far more than two that actually occur during the Holy Mass. But conspicuously and prominently, there are two uh, great miracles, of course, to use the phrase great miracle is redundant because every miracle is great, but um, there are two uh, authentic miracles, at the very least, I say, uh, I argue, at every single Holy Mass, every single valid Holy Mass, um, and that is to say that the bread and the wine are both consecrated, and of course the Church uses the term transubstantiation, for the reality that occurs by dint of consecration, and um, it's God himself who accomplishes that miracle, because only God is capable of that. But he, uh, he delegates his power to perform those miracles to a human person, namely the priest, the ministerial priest. And so when the priest says, and you know this very well, I'm not telling you anything of which you're unaware, (laughs) but the priest doesn't say, of course, Lord, this is your body. Mm -hmm. Lord, this is your blood. What does he say? He says what Jesus told him through the apostles, through his apostles and their successors 2,000 years ago. The priest tells uh, or repeats what Jesus told him through the apostolic uh, tradition to say, namely, this is my body. Mm -hmm. This is the chalice of my blood. And so... If that be not miraculous, uh, what occurs during the transubstantiation, there is, I would argue, there are no miracles. If that's not miraculous, there's no such thing as a miracle. Yeah, let me if let me just jump in here, Brian, and, and ask Father. Um, so, 
That is a good point that Brian's making, that there is something about the miraculous uh, occurrence that's going on in the confection of the Eucharist. Um, and through, as Brian pointed out, through the power of God, through the, the presence and working of the Holy Spirit and that sort of thing. Um, and yet the miraculous there is not that miracle specifically is, well, it's not bringing our, our, uh, the public in in droves oftentimes, even though I, I have a deacon friend who is fond of saying that if we really understood what was happening at Mass, you could not keep people away. You would have to, you would have to, I mean, for f- fire safety and that sort of thing, I think you would have to bar the doors at some point. Um, so can you just reflect a little bit, Father, on the miraculous nature and what's going on there, and why aren't people responding to it? Well, first of all, I love the the way that Brian talked about using the word divine liturgy for the Mass. Uh, it's a, many, many names for the Mass, but that's certainly a beautiful one as well. You know, uh, the miracle of the Mass, everything that Brian was saying about the miracle is true. It is a profound miracle for those who have the eyes of faith uh, to see. Because, in other words, Jesus is not going to overpower us with such a remarkable miracle that it would take away your freedom. Uh, Because then you would say, well, I I don't have any choice except to believe because look, there's all these fireworks happening on the altar. So the miracle is always going to be, you know, it's powerful but subtle in such a way that it's available to people of faith. Uh, it's not going to be bells and whistles. It's not going to be fireworks going off. It's not going to be a great, you know, Wizard of Oz smoke thing uh, deal. It's going to be these powerful words, this is my body, this is my blood. And then we believe that that body and blood are present there on the altar. Now, mm-hmm. as I mentioned at the very beginning of the hour, one thing that I have noticed, uh, even though, you know, the, I say these words and you know, the host and the wine still look like bread and wine. Uh, I can tell you, just from my personal experience from 43 years, when I say those words, it gets very quiet in church. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's because it is powerful. And, and for, for whatever reason, Jesus chose this particular format of actions and words on the night before he died uh, as his sacrament, uh, this divine liturgy. And it has a powerful effect. It, it really does, you know, and I'm not saying people can articulate it, maybe as well as Brian did. Not, not everybody's a theologian or is theologically minded or they have the vocabulary. But they know something big, something powerful, something intense has happened and that it's mm-hmm. involving God's action. And it causes them to be quiet. And that to me is one of the most profound uh, signs of authenticity about this event that uh, uh, if you know if any one of us were designed to design a sacrament that we would think would you know capture everyone's attention, we probably wouldn't do that. But Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew the words that would resonate. He knew the actions that would resonate, and the meaning that would resonate. This is my body given for you, mm-hmm. complete body and blood. You know when you walk into the church. The two biggest things that you see in any Catholic church are going to be the altar and right above it, the crucifix. They're always right next to each other because they are connected. What happened on Holy Thursday happened again on Good Friday. And it's the same action, this, this entire giving of self of Jesus 
for us, uh, despite everything that was going on. Nothing would stop his love for us. So when you walk into the church, you see the altar, you see the crucifix. These are both profound images of God's love. And he brings that love to us every Sunday, at every every Mass. Just one last thing I'll say about the Divine Liturgy. Uh, I often sometimes mentioned if I'm doing a funeral or so or, you know, that's very small, there's only four or five people there. Mm. And, you know, it's kind of difficult to do a funeral when that's small, but I'll sometimes talk about how crowded it is here. And I'll say it's crowded because because we're having Mass, all the angels and saints are here as well. Uh, As we say, you know, at the end of the preface, let's join all the angels saying, holy, holy, holy. And so, yeah. uh, Yeah. You know, when, when... when, when this powerful act of love is going to happen from our Lord, all the angels and saints show up as well. Yeah, what a great reminder and something that we can always keep in our spiritual mind, our spiritual imagination. We need to take a break. Uh, when we come back more with Father Dave Haney as we're talking about the Mass, we'll be right back. If you missed part of the program, you can listen to this show and any of your favorites on the Relevant Radio app or online at RelevantRadio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. My name is Patrick Conley, in for Josh Raymond, and I'd like to express my thanks to our producer, Jim Schaefer, along with Patrick Alog and Mariano Gomez on the phones for us today. As we're speaking with Father Dave Heaney, who's our spiritual director, we're talking about the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Father, we are talking a little bit about uh, children in Mass, and mm. we have a caller who's calling in now. Bernadette uh, has, a, uh, has some things to say about her, uh, her baby brother, I believe. Bernadette, welcome to the program. Hi. Hello. How are you today? Good. How are you? I am doing well. So what story can you tell us, Bernadette? Um, So whenever we're attending Mass um, on the the TV or online, my baby brother, um, he's one and a half years old, and it doesn't matter if he's behind the couch or in a different room. Um, if he can hear the mass going, he'll stop whatever he's doing at consecration and just come over. And he'll we do baby sign language with him, and he'll start signing Jesus for the whole time. And he'll just stare at the host and the chalice while the, while consecration is going on. And then as soon as consecration, oh, excuse me, as soon as consecration ends, he'll just go back to whatever he was doing. And I think it's really amazing. Boy, that is amazing. Thank you, Bernadette. Uh, That is just an extraordinary... uh, Boy, what is your brother's name? His name is Jedediah. Jedediah. Well, you know what? Let's keep our eyes on Jedediah because uh, the Lord has a special grace for this little little guy. And uh, to to be that kind of connected that early, uh, you know, maybe augur something really beautiful for him in the future. So... God bless Jedediah, and, and how wonderful that Jedediah is a blessing for, for you, Bernadette, and for your family as well, because I'm sure that his, what he does at Mass has caught your attention and, and, and inspired you. So thank you, Bernadette, and thank you, Jedediah. Yeah, wonderful story, Bernadette. Thank you for sharing that. We'll be praying for you and for Jedediah as the years go by and keeping our eye there, because as Father said, 
think something the Lord is maybe calling somebody to something special there. Let's go from Bernadette in Bakersfield, California, to Teresa, who's calling in from Covina, California. Teresa, welcome to The Inner Life. Thank you, and God bless both of you in Relevant Radio, of course. Um, I'm a revert. I came back to our faith 30 years ago, and I met a precious lady at church uh, on Paro, and I asked her how she, you know, how she worshipped at Mass, and she told me that at the, after the consecration, at the consecration, she put all her loved ones into the chalice, mm-hmm. you know, herself too. And after, after receiving Jesus, she would just thank God for all the blessings that she had. And that has been so awesome for me. And also I have a special needs granddaughter that I would take to church. And uh, she's in Arizona. And we would sit in the front seat, and at first she would be trying to talk to me, and I'd say, look, look, quiet, we have to listen to Jesus. And she learned the words of the consecration slowly, just a split second before Father would say, this is my body, she would say it, and, 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 and uh, just in, in beautiful candence, and um also, I have, I had a, a, my grandson, my eldest grandson, when he was about three years old, I went on vacation. When I came back, I asked him, Christopher, do you still remember how to do the, the sign of the cross? He says, oh, yes, Grandma. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen, and Mama Mary in my heart. And I didn't tell him about Mama Mary. Hmm. And so when I receive communion, I, that's what I do. And, and of course, like I say, after I always thank God, and and I do have a spiritual, um, like like uh, awakening and that type of thing. Also, I want to add, uh, I was on vacation in upstate New York, very stressed, and went was in retreat by myself for three days, and then went to mass. It was in July, and the priest was wearing green, and when he made the sign of the cross to open the mass, he changed into Jesus. And I said to my my sister's boyfriend, "Did you, Jimmy? Did you see that?" Of course he didn't. And so to me, no matter what's going on in the church, I know the priest is is Jesus when he's saying that mass, and also in the confessional. So I have no no doubt about it at all. Also, I'd like to ask one question. Yeah. Uh, when we do the the the, the Lord's prayer, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. People just, and this is coast to coast, they just put their hands up in the air. Isn't Jesus, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right there in the consecrated uh, um, species? And and that's where I put my hands, because that's where God is. So that's my question. So when when people say that part of the prayer, uh, Sometimes people have their hands up in a in an up motion. Is that what you're saying? Yes, they they're, they're holding their hands up, yeah. and then uh, you know for that final uh, uh, words, they put their hands like up to God in heaven. And I'm thinking, God's right here. God the oh, Father, no, no, Son, no, no I don't Holy think that's the Spirit. case. I, I don't think they're pointing up to heaven. I think that's that's a very very old fashioned from the Old Testament form of prayer in the Oran's position to kind of have your hands out. So they should be looking at the altar. They should be focused on the Eucharist, like you say, appropriately, because that's the center of the tension. 
But I think just having their hands up, they're not, although it may look like they're pointing up to heaven, they're really just just kind of a sign of openness. Uh, praying in that way just is a sign of being open um, to uh, this relationship, this conversation with our Lord. So they should, you know, generally speaking, all during the Mass, all of our attention should be on the altar. And they, they probably are, Teresa, but, uh, you know, uh, it may just look like they're looking up to heaven, but they, they really are, I'm sure, focused on the altar. All right. Well, um, thank you, Teresa. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for being present here with us on The Inner Life. So grateful for your call. Um, let's uh, let's see if we can get one more call in, mm-hmm. Father, before uh, we have to ask you for your blessing. So let's go to Nancy, who's calling in from Sacramento, California. Nancy, welcome to The Inner Life. Goodness for relevant radio and the mass. I I'm homebound. I'm closer to the well. Anyway, homebound. I can't get out of the house. The relevant radio mass to me. But this is a live mass. Means so much to me. And of course, it's at ten o'clock. It'll be coming on very soon here. But being homebound, it means so much. And I just yearn for those words of the consecration. Mm-hmm. But it just—I can't tell you what it means to me. Being I, but it is a live mass, and also the spiritual communion that I receive because I cannot receive communion. I don't have a priest come regularly at all. And uh, anyway, I just can't tell you what it means to people that are homebound. That yeah. what the mass means. And Father Dave, I can't tell you how much that you mean too. And I've heard you before, and the Rosary across America. Anyway, thank goodness for being able to hear a live Mass and have a spiritual communion on the radio at home. I love, the, I love hearing the excitement in your voice. I just loved hearing that passion. The fact that you feel that right now and the Mass hasn't even started yet means this is going to be a great Mass for you, and, and it's going to be a very spiritual experience. And glad that you were able to share that passion and your excitement uh, to everybody, uh, all of our listeners this morning. So thank you for, for that. Yes, thank you, Nancy. Thank you so much. Virginia and John, I'm sorry that we weren't able to take your calls today, but as Nancy has just said, as Father has has reminded us too, uh, we will be going to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass broadcast here over Relevant Radio's airwaves and on the Relevant Radio app here in just a moment. Father, uh, before we ask for your blessing, just uh, one quick word from you, because we only have about a minute left. Um, uh, The Mass ends in go in peace. How do we go in peace that's why that time after communion is so important. You now have the presence of Jesus within you. This is a very personal time. The rest of the Mass is very communal. It's very public. It's a very communitarian event. We all listen to the same prayers. We say them together. The time after communion is when our Lord is now in your heart and has a personal message just for you. How will you be different the rest of the day? That's what you take outside uh, when the Mass is over. All right. Well, Father, uh, thank you so much for being our spiritual director. Father Dave Heaney, before you go, could we have your blessing, please? Yes. Heavenly Father, we begin every Mass with the Trinity in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, affirming the love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Everything in the Mass is the school of love. We ask that you continue to bless us and bless all of our listeners, especially at Mass. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Dave Heaney, thank you so much for joining us as we're speaking about the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Grateful to have you back on the program. We look forward to having you back on real soon. 
Do you have a topic you'd like to have us discuss on The Inner Life? Seek us out on RelevantRadio.com. If you missed anything earlier, go and listen to the podcast. Father Rocky is up next with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the Chapel of the Nativity in Green Bay.